Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we have, uh, I don't want to say a special guest because we've had him before. He is a special guest. He's a special person, a special young beat writer. I mean, we can just throw special all around. Well, he actually lead, knows basketball, which is nice. He does He does know basketball, and he's going to talk about He's he, Unlike Dave Burkett, who wrote seven mock drafts for us for the little NFL draft, you know, covers the Lions. Uh, Amari Sankofa, I think, has just done one mock draft. So I don't know what's going on with him. He's fallen. He, he's not working hard enough, maybe. Yeah, well, but, you know, and don't forget, Sean, you, we can uh, besmirch the good name of Dave Burkett as much as he wants because he will never listen to this podcast. So. Go, go off on Dave as much as you want. Um, he doesn't even know this podcast exists. No, he doesn't. Well, Omari does, and he's here, and he's been here a few times. We always love having him. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the draft, obviously, with Omari Carlos, and then uh, we're going to spend some time later in the show talking about the sausage, as in the journalism sausage, as in uh, Carlos's columns, my columns, why we write the way we do sometimes, the subjects we choose, the opinions we take. We just we want to get into some things we've – We've both uh, we've been kind of going back and forth a little bit privately, and we want to we want to bring out into the light and uh, hopefully have a little bit of fun with it. But before we do that, Carlos, well, let's let's talk about the draft and who the Pistons should take, and that's what can we I, want. That's where we want to start with Amari. Can you what? Can I can I start with one thing? Because I've been waiting a few weeks for this. Okay. Uh, you mentioned sausage, and I want to thank Omari uh, for introducing me or suggesting the. Uh, spicy chicken sandwich edema because he said he came on this podcast a few a few weeks ago a couple months ago and said you know we're throwing around chicken and and food and what do you like and and out of nowhere the noodle place Omari comes out with the best spicy chicken sandwich in metro detroit and dang it he was right and now every time we go to Ema, and I, I, I like noodles, I like ramen, all that stuff. I don't love it. My wife loves it. No, you don't it. like it. You don't have to say you like it when you don't like something. It's, I, it's We're okay. going to talk about That's, this later in the column. It's okay, it's okay to, to use, say what you really think. To use Sean Windsor's uh, favorite word, it's fine. But but I do like chicken sandwiches. And I'm not a crazy, you know, whatever, uh, uh, you know, dude about the chicken sandwiches. But I do like it. But it is really, really good, Omari. So thank you very much respect and if you have any more food choices like that you know throw them our way yeah you know like you got to hit the nail on the head like you go to a, a chicken uh where you go to a noodle spot and you don't expect the chicken sandwich to be like the best thing on the menu and all the noodles are good i go to email a lot like everything there is good and i don't even know where i read about the chicken sandwich maybe online somewhere but yeah it is it is a perfect chicken sandwich and i might have played this other spot on this pod maybe not but the same people that own the email uh also opened a restaurant a few months ago called super crisp and the super crisp is basically like them realizing that the chicken sandwich is really good. So let's just bake a chicken sandwich restaurant. And they have like three or four different types of chicken sandwiches. Uh, well, they have a chicken sandwich that's like an upgraded version of the Ema chicken sandwich. They have like a fried fish sandwich and they have burgers. And I've not had any of their burgers, Ooh. but the super crisp chicken sandwich might be a tad better than the Ema chicken sandwich because it's just a little bit more. Uh, they put a few more toppings on it. So it's just. It's a little bit better, but I would say that that's my new favorite chicken sandwich. And the fish sandwich is also really good. And they also have top tier fries. So like you just go there, get a chicken sandwich and fries, and it's, you're just going to have like a top tier <laughs> meal. So that's my that's my new new plug. I feel like I need I need a restaurant plug every time I come on here. So I'm going to super crisp out there. No, no, no. <laughs> that's great. But what I really want to congratulate you on, though, Amari, is, uh, is getting Carl's to be sincere for a second. You know, it's not easy... It's not easy for him to do. It's fine. Normally, I would say, oh, great, you're expanding your palate, whatever. We're not in the business of food shaming people here. We're not going to do that. I mean, you know, I... I you I food shame me every week. What are uh, you talking about? I like Cheetos, uh, you know, you know, as much as the next guys or person, right? But Carlos actually said he liked the chicken sandwich, and you could hear the sincerity in his voice, and you hear that two, three times a year. So I want to congratulate you on pulling that out, Amari. All right, let's, let's get into this... Uh, Enough of this, uh, you know, whatever this business is. Let's get into let's get into why you're here. He doesn't he doesn't like me being happy, Amari. Let's move on to basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. All right, Amari. Who, 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 let me ask you two quick questions, and you know, maybe not quick uh, quick answers, but quick questions. Who should the Pistons take, and who do you think they will get? end up taking you know so this draft like last year, like that's an easy question because they have a number one pick, and you have Cade Cunningham. So it's just you know, it's Cade Cunningham. Uh, this year is tough because, like, I don't really – honestly, I don't really have, like, a strong, you know, preference as far as, like, if I were Troy Weaver and I'm making the pick, like, who do I go with? 
Like, I think realistically, there are probably three or four guys there that you could take and you probably feel pretty good because they're all in the same tier. And that's, uh, you know, I think the, the, the two guys I feel the best about as far as I know this is going to be a good NBA player, uh, maybe an above average starter, feel pretty good about them being above average starters and they'll be here for a long time, are uh, Keegan Murray and Benedict Matherin. Um, you know, of course, Keegan Murray, uh, you know, was good at Iowa last season, averaged like 23 and eight, uh, a couple blocks, shot the ball really well from three, just uh, everything you want from a power forward who doesn't need the ball, like it's going to space the floor, cut, uh, post the ball to guys up, uh, pretty solid defensively, uh, just a really safe pick. And then Matt Duran, uh, you know, he shot the ball really well. He's just more of your classic three and D type, but also very athletic and also a decent passer as well. Uh, so you could draft him and feel pretty good that at worst you're just getting a three and D guy, and at best you're getting a three and D guy who can also uh, play make a little bit and, and and do some other things. So I think those guys for me are probably one A and one B as far as I just want to get this pick right. I don't want to use a fifth pick on a guy who may not hit a ceiling, and then in four years you're like, okay, do I overpay this guy and just hope he figures it out, or what do you do then? Um, but if you're swinging for upside, it's probably Jaden Ivy who could be going before. The Pistons pick, but you know, I know a lot of people watched him at Purdue last year. A great athlete gets compared to John ja Morant, and I don't see Ja, uh, you know, because you know, the thing about Ja is that Ja, yeah, he's an electric athlete, but he also just processes the game extremely fast. I mean, he's got like a classic point guard brain and like Derrick Rose's body, and uh, I just don't think Jaden Ivey's a, a point guard, you know, he doesn't read the game quite as, fa- quite as fast. Uh, you know, he's not quite the same level of passer. He's more of a guy that you probably want to pair with a guy like Kate, but then Jane and I probably also has to shoot the ball really well, and he's just an okay shooter. So uh, upside swing is Jane and Ivy, but if it's B, I probably wouldn't just go for the upside swing. I would just take a guy that I know can play in this draft, and that's Keegan Murray or Benedict Matter. Yeah, I think, well, you know, let's, let's uh, <clears throat> you know, in your mock draft, uh, Omar, you you do pick Keegan Murray, right? You you mock him to the to the Pistons. Um, and let's just be real with the people here. A word you love, by the way, mock. How, mock, mock and real, my two favorite words. Um, you do have a vested interest, right? Because you wrote a nice, really long feature on Keegan Murray. So you're hoping that the Pistons get him so you can continue that relationship with the Keith, with the Murray family, right? Is that <laughs> is that the truth behind this whole thing? I mean, that would be con- con- convenient. The most convenient part was that Keegan's dad just happened to be, you know, a battle creep. High school legend, so yeah, it was just like, well, you know, that was true for Jaden Ivy. I would have did the Jaden Ivy piece, but uh, Ivy has a cool Detroit connection too. Like his dad was born here, his, dad, his granddad played for the Lions. Oh, wow. so, oh that's not uh, a good sign. That's not yeah. a good sign right now. Oh my god. <laughs> now you know what? If and and if you go, if the if the listener out there did not see Omar's piece, a really good piece uh, that his dad Kenyon was. Appreciate that. He was Mr. Basketball in '92, right for Battle Creek Central. Um, right. really, really, really interesting stuff. I mean, the guy knew he seemed to, he seemed to kind of already have this plan for, for Keegan and his twin, his twin brother about not developing, developing them too early not letting him use weights. You know, that postgraduate year, everything, he seems to really have a, a good set. I mean, can you tell us like, uh, uh, he seems to come from a really solid, you know, family slash, you know, uh, basketball background and you know like as far as mentorship right getting them ready to play the game having them play different sports his mom was a really great athlete all that kind of stuff um is that is that part of the package that will help sell you know Keegan I think so Troy like Troy always talks about you know just getting the right person and you know on some level like you know of course our GMs are going to say you know we want to build the right culture and get guys in the fit what we're trying to build but I really do think Troy stuck to that to a T where you just look at who they've drafted. Like, you get lucky with Cade, obviously, winning that lottery, and he's obviously a, a natural-born leader. But, you know, Isaiah, Sadiq, Killian, all these guys are, uh, you know, guys just love who, to, to who, you know, humble guys, not going to uh, cause any issues in, in the locker room. And, you know, and I, and I, I think Troy's philosophy as far as that is interesting just because he talks about losing his heart. So you need guys who can handle that, you know, struggle of still showing up to work every day, you know, because young teams can kind of, kind of lose themselves sometimes. We saw that happen with the Sixers probably five, six years ago. And, you know, you had guys getting in trouble and they're blatantly tanking. They won like 10 games. Like that's tough. You know, this is going to do it that way. So you have Keegan, uh, I think personality-wise, he fits right in. You know, both parents were athletes. Dad, you know, was a, uh, you know, he was almost a four-year starter at Iowa, an uh, all-time leading scorer at Battle Creek Central. And yeah, I do think he was very intentional about how he, raise his sons and that 
he didn't necessarily force him to play basketball. Sometimes you have dads who are like, you know, well, I hoop, so my sons are going to hoop. And, you know, sometimes that it kind of has like a, a problematic vibe to it. But uh, he said, you know, my, my boys are going to be involved in sports. Whatever they take to is what they'll take to. Uh, their mom played golf in college, so they played golf in high school and they lettered in golf. Uh, they played baseball. Uh, but basketball is kind of what they naturally took to. So just as far as him, um, just not forcing it on them, basically. He just kind of took it at the pace they wanted to go. Uh, they needed a, a postgraduate year, so they went and did that. Uh, they didn't lift weights until their sophomore, junior year in high school because he, you know, I'm sure he's seen a lot of guys over the years. He started lifting when they were like 12 years old, and maybe you learn in proper form or you mess up your back or your knees. And last thing you want is for your son to have injury issues going into high school uh, or college because we've seen, you know, of course, a lot of guys who, uh, you know, do have those types of injuries. Like Michael Porter Jr., back, back, I'm not saying his dad worked him to death, but you see examples of guys who, coming with injury issues and then it puts a cap on their ceiling. Uh, so, you know, for Keegan, for him to kind of break out the way he did last season, you know, at the age of, of 20, you know, he's an old sophomore, did the postgraduate year. So really, uh, you know, he's the age of a junior and, and not a senior, but, uh, you know, like they just got to set those chess pieces up, you know, over time. And for Keegan, you know, Luca Garza graduates, Keegan finally has an opportunity to show what he can do and he explodes. So from the Pistons standpoint, I think they take all that in, into account. Uh, you know, Keegan comes from a good family. He's a high character guy, uh, very smart basketball player, knows what he's good at, knows what he's bad at, and doesn't do what he's bad at. And also the fact that, yes, he will be 22 when he's a rookie next season, but, you know, the fact that he was a late bloomer and really just kind of emerged over the last year as being this type of guy uh, leads us to believe that maybe there's another level he can get to because all guys have different developmental curves and his obviously is later than a lot of his peers. I'm sorry, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> this is Yomari Sankofa uh, second show. Uh, we'll be back with Anjanette <laughs> Delgado after this now, break. Now you, whenever I sit, now you know what it's like, Carlos, when I sit in the studio with Mike Elric. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, man. You, you can't let that stand, Yomari. Going to Elric is too far. It's the draft pile. No, I got to give him the uh, draft. Pile. That's what they're here for. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I have one, uh, one thing about, about Keegan Murray. He, he can do the Dirk. What else do you want, Omar? Hey, Dirk won a ring. So the, guy can, the, the guy can do the Dirk. And, uh, you know, I saw him do it several times last year. And, uh, and to me, that I mean, obviously that move will translate, but I'm, I'm curious what you think about his, his improvement because I would, I would put a lot of stock in that. And I want to talk about skill here in a minute, but before we get to that, I'm just, just, just speak, speak, uh, you know, take as much time as you need. <laughs> speak to speak to the improvement and uh, the, the way he kind of shot up. Yeah, I think the, the big thing was just Luka Garza leaving. Of course, Luka Garza was national, you know, college player of the year. So, uh, you know, big shoes to fill and a lot of minutes that opened up. Uh, but, yeah, Keegan's game, I think, was just, like, I think he's just in a good way, like your classic Big Ten player in the sense that he's physical, he's strong, uh, kind of big body. So, you know, he's able to bully a lot of guys on the low block. Uh, I think the really, really the key to his season was just the fact that he went from, like, a, a 30% three-point shooter to a 40% three-point shooter. And he knocked down those threes in really high volume. So if he doesn't shoot the ball as well, he's probably not a top five pick. But, you know, when you're a 6'8 power forward, you know, already pretty skilled inside, rebound really well, can defend. But then you shoot that well from three. Uh, you know, I think that was really the swing skill for him. And, uh, you know, like the, the modern NBA, you need guys that can shoot. Uh, I, I think he took around 163s last season, so the volume was pretty good. And he's got good touch at the line, good touch around the rim. So he feel pretty good about it translating. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's just – you know, I think he prepared for that moment and then the opportunity finally came and all the skill work that went in behind the scenes finally paid off for him. But really just the 40% from three, I think that's the 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 main thing that makes him such a great prospect because every team wants a guy that can shoot, especially in your front court. No, he's got a stroke on him. I want to ask Carlos a question here, um, mostly because I want to hear Carlos talk. But uh, Carlos, this idea, so this is, this is, this is a classic, not classic, but it's been a, a debate you know, people argue about this all the time and have for a good long while in the NBA and in and, and the NFL too, to some degree. But this idea of skill versus athleticism, when we say upside, low floor, high floor, you know, high ceiling, uh, all that sort of thing. Upside is, is often attached to athleticism as opposed to skill. And yet we watch most years, skill really, really matters. And it matters more almost exponentially by the season. The team that just won the NBA title now look, Steph Curry's an outlier, 
But other than th- than that, that team is mostly skill. All right, they've got they've got an incredible athlete on the bench and a rookie, and we don't need to go down the rabbit hole, Carlos. But I'm just this. T- t- what do you think? Why do we still lock into this so much, Carlos? In your opinion, and lean towards the athleticism over skill when we see what skill does year after year after year. Well, you know, I think it's I think it's just the age we live in. You know, I mean, it's been going on. You know, since our era, Sean in the '80s with SportsCenter highlights, great point, and now Twitter, right? Every every amazing thing that happens, every web gem, every dunk, every you know whatever, right? Uh, it, it gets just hyped. Everything, everything is just amazing, and all that you know. And I think you get it, it's easy to show that. Um, but and I really hate to do this, but I have to give you credit. And that skill is hard. Skill is hard to understand the nuance of it. You know, I mean, you said Omari went on. You could go on for twice as long as Omari talking about all the elevator screens and this and that and the whatever. And the Dirk, you know, the Dirk, you know, I mean, when we had Tom Izzo on, he exposed you as the fraudulent coach that you think you are. But, you know, all that insider stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Anyway. uh, But, but yeah, that's, it is hard. It's hard to, it's hard to understand that, you know, that's why, that's why, you know, people talk about, you know, football, right? The offensive line and this and that. Nobody knows what offensive linemen do. Nobody has any idea about all that stuff. They just think, you know, you need an offensive line and, you know, but it's easy to understand Calvin Johnson. It's easy to understand people like that and a quarterback and skill positions and fast guys and athletic guys or whatever players. Um, so I think that's I think that's a little bit of the uh, of the reason why. But uh, but you're right, Sean. Absolutely. You know, you need you need people who know what they're doing. You need and, and but but especially when you're mentioning, you know, the great teams, you know, the Warriors and, and such and the Celtics and all these teams is it has to fit together. You know, skill is great. And that's the whole thing, you know, with Omari that that I have the question about is you got someone like like Jaden Ivey. Right. And uh He's got a skill set. He's very athletic, obviously. But my question about that is 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 how does how confident this is what we don't know is how confident is Troy Weaver as far as believing he knows what kind of player he's gonna get and how he's gonna fit. Because you've written a lot about how the player is gonna fit with Cade and how he's gonna fit with the team in general, right? But especially with Cade. And if Ivy needs the ball in his hands to make things happen, that's not going to be a good fit with Kate. But could that change? Or are they who they are at this point? Is there much change? Is there much time for growth? You know, listening to, to you know, Troy's uh, uh, presser the other day, he kind of wants everything. He's not, a, he's not opposed to anything, age or too old, too young, you know, long haul, you know, whatever it is. But but is Jaden Ivy, is there a chance that he could change and, and fit more with Cade? I think there's a, a, a chance, and I think for the Pistons to be comfortable taking Jaden Ivey, they would have to be very, very confident that Ivey is going to be comfortable with the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, like I don't, I don't think Ivey has any significant character issues, but I think whenever you have a guy who is best with the ball, you know, and Ivey has best skills, that he's a great athlete, great first step, can get downhill, uh, and you're not going to take the ball to Kate's hands, obviously. Uh, you know, does that cause frustration at some point over the course of the season that Ivy can't really play the game uh, the way he needs to play it, especially when you still have a guy on the roster in Killian Hayes, who, of course, is also still more of an on-ball guy. Uh, you know, you hope he can you know become like that off-ball shooter, but he's not there yet. So, you know, you've used uh, three lottery picks in, in three years on guys who are best with the ball. Uh, yeah, so as long as Jaden Ivey's in Detroit Lions, K. Cunningham is his teammate. He's going to have to, you know, relish being like that off-ball defender, being that off-ball shooter, uh, cutting, you know, the stuff that some guys are naturally good at and some guys naturally aren't. And I think the everything with Jaden Ivey is that he played for a Purdue team that kind of runs things inside out. So it's not a great place to be <laughs> an on-ball point guard. So, you know, maybe there's some some noise in his stats. Um, but, like, Jaden Ivey is on their radar. But when you have two guys in Keegan Murray and Benedict Matron, where you don't even have to think about it, you know that they fit because they don't need the ball. Um, you know, how comfortable are you taking Ivy knowing that there's going to be a lot of skill development and mental adjustment to fit in here? So I think, yes, Ivy's a great prospect. He theoretically has his high, the highest ceiling of those guys. But uh, when you can't necessarily put him in the right position he needs to be in to maybe maximize that skill set, you know, do you trust that, you know, by year three, him and Kate are going to have to figure it out? 
I, uh, to, to me, Amari, I just, again, okay, let me just ask you this. How about if I just put it this way? What is the ceiling for Ivy? And what is the ceiling for Murray? And what's the ceiling for Matherin? Yeah, I think if everything breaks right for Ivy, uh, he's probably like a Donovan Mitchell type. Donovan Mitchell's a good shooter. Uh, I mean, of course, great athlete, downhill guy. Uh, okay passer. Like, I think if everything breaks right for Ivy, you're probably getting a Donovan Mitchell type guy, which is really good. If you could, you know, physics trade for Donovan Mitchell right now and put him next to Cade, I think they would be happy to do that. Um, you know, but Donovan Mitchell was also a better shooter in college than, I, than Ivy was. So there's still, you know, some stuff yeah. that Ivy would have to figure out. Uh, but his best case scenario to me is a Donovan Mitchell type. Uh, Murray. Ivy's a better Ivy's a better athlete, by the way, in my opinion, than Mitchell. And Mitchell's a really good athlete. Ivy may have, like, I think Ivy kind of floats. I think Mitchell's ex- explosive, but Ivy kind of has that, like, like grace when he gets to the rim where he can, like, maneuver around guys and stuff. That, but also that first step, man. That first step is yeah. nasty. That's why people love it. Yeah, I mean, when you have a first step like that, it, yeah, it, a lot it, of stuff's going to be It is a no, and it's, uh, and when I saw him, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before on this pod or not, but the first time I saw him play in person, and in Michigan State, you still get to sit on the court. It, it's breathtaking how fast he gets to speed. I mean, right? The stop start is is really unreal. But anyway, and, and I don't, and I've seen Mitchell play, not probably not as much as you have, but I've seen him play in person too, and it's it's not quite the same to me. But you're right, Mitchell's a better yeah, shooter. Yeah, Mitchell's a better shooter. But yeah, I mean, the thing about Ivy is his first step, and that's just something you can't teach you or have it or you don't. And a guy with that fast uh-huh. with the first step, yeah, it encourages you to say, I mean, <laughs> you know, when is the next time we're going to have a chance to draft a guy? who's just not naturally gifted. Exactly. So maybe you just take it and you figure it out. And it's not a bad fit next to Cade. It's just, you know, we have two guys who are just so obviously better fits. It's something you have to think about. But yeah, if there's one thing that's a knock on Cade is that he's not an incredible athlete. He's absurdly skilled. So, it, you know, probably won't matter in the long run. Doesn't but matter. You pair him with a guy we like saw Ivy. That last year. And Ivy is like that type of athlete. And now your backcourt can... Uh, you know, like your, your backcourt basically has ev- ev- everything, especially if Ivy can become like a 37% shooter. Like, you know, it's pretty much gravy at that point. Um, so see, so ceiling for Murray and ceiling, yeah, ceiling for Murray. I think, I think Murray can get to like a possible Siakam tier where he's just a really versatile all around scorer, uh, good, good rebounder, good defender. And, you know, like not the strongest playmaker, but he can make smart reads and, you know, you don't feel bad when the ball is in, the, is in his hands because he's not a black hole. Uh, I think if everything breaks right for him, he can't get to like that possible tier where he's in an all-star conversation every year, but probably just not like a no-brainer all-star every year. Uh, although in today's NBA, is so deep that there's probably only five guys who are <laughs> no-brainer all-stars every single year now. But um, And then Matherin, if everything breaks right for him, he, he's an, an interesting case because he's been compared to Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and I think he will be better than Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He's a little bit bigger. I think he passes a little bit better. Shoots a little better. I don't know if he'll ever become like I don't know if he'll ever get to like that Bradley Beal tier, but I think there are similarities in their games where they're good athletes. Um Beal's a much better ball handler than than the Matherin. So that's I think the main difference for them. Um I don't know. Like I think it's it's tough to come up with a good comparison for a guy like him because when you think about the best off-ball shooters, you kind of, you know, go toward, like, you know, Clay and whatnot, and I don't want to compare anybody to Clay Thompson. Uh, but at the same time, he's a better athlete than a guy like a Buddy Hill. Carlos. Playmaker. So, compare stuff. To, compare to Carlos. <laughs> Carlos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 40% shooter in the NBA. Um, no, his jump shot's <laughs> wet. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. I have to see that one with my own eyes. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to see that. Well, let me let me ask you this, Omari. Is there is there a different pressure on Weaver, uh, or you know, picking these guys as far as you know with Ivy, right? He's got to directly pair with with Cade, and if he doesn't work out, and even though he's talked about the long haul and he seems to be willing to be patient with some of these players, there's going to be a lot of pressure. Why isn't Why isn't Jaden working? Why, what's going on? Why you know all this stuff? You know, if he gets to one of the other guys, you know, if he gets Murray or or, or Matherin, it's not going to be as quite of, you know, I mean, he obviously he's got to support Cade and it all works together, but it's not going to be the the same, you know, kind of backcourt thing, right? The the pairing, there's not going to be quite as much probably pressure on him having to work with Cade. Um, is that a whole another consideration? Do you think? I think so because I think the thing with Ivy is that if he doesn't improve enough in those other areas where he's, you know, like a lockdown defender or even just an above average defender. Um, you know, he doesn't shoot the ball well enough to 
uh, space the floor consistently, then yeah, like you got to be really, really good with the ball in your hands to, you know, justify being played next to K. And, you know, again, he's not that level of playmaker either. So there's just a lot of kind of warts that kind of makes you wonder, like down the road, you know, if all this doesn't come together, how comfortable do we feel building around him? Uh, whereas with Bathroom, yeah, there are very few question marks from that regard. And same with Keegan Murray. Um, you know, so if you're the, the Pistons and you pass on Ivy, uh, I think it probably says you feel good enough that Murray and Matherin would be so good that even if Ivy hits his best case scenario, you probably don't feel like you missed out. And unless Ivy becomes that down an initial type, which means everything breaks right, you probably don't feel that way. You know, there's a lot of athletic guards who have come to the NBA that, you know, just didn't run out their games enough. You look at Dante Exum or, you know, Terrence Rod, like, you know, it's like a long list of guys who were athletic but just didn't have enough game to really put it, put it together. Um, yeah, so when you got two safe options, like, yeah, that definitely puts pressure on Ivy if he comes in to go above and beyond. You know, you can't take Ivy and, like, Matthew averages 18 a game for a decade on, like, 40% shooting from three. Or, you know, Keegan, you're getting the consistent 17 and seven. And Ivy's just, like, the upside guy that you're hoping by year four. Uh, yeah, like, I think definitely those two guys are probably both average starters. And Ivy has to hit a star level uh, to justify taking them, I believe. All right, I have some uh, comps and some ceilings, and I also want to talk about your favorite player in the Pistons, Killian Hayes. But we need to take a break first, Omari, if you got some more time to come back and join us and keep this conversation going about what, what do we like more, dunks or threes? You got some time? All right. All right, well, we'll come back with some more comps and ceilings, and I want to hear Carl's too. Um, you know, I want to get his opinion on some more stuff here. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, let's pay some bills. We will be right back with the Free Press Sports with uh, Carlos and occasionally me. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast on the line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit, you know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl and Sean. God, that was a long break for us, but for you, the listener, it's uh, going to feel like you know, a, a couple of minutes, if that. So, uh, so that's good, and that's that's really good, right, Carlos? God, if we were, if we were, yeah, if we were recording, oh my God, we would, uh, you know, yeah, we we <laughs> we would be. So, what we were talking about? We were talking about uh, comps and ceilings, and uh, we were talking about Amari thinking that Keegan Murray's ceiling is Pascal Siakam. Their games are really nothing alike at all. That's okay. That's okay, though. First of all, I, I, I want to say Siakam's a little bit more athletic and he's stronger and he doesn't shoot the ball anything like Murray. But yeah, that's a, that's a nice comp. I also went back and looked at Siakam and he averaged like five assists. Like he had like a two-one he, assist he's ratio. He's a better right secondary so, playmaker for sure, right? Yeah. So I I, I definitely understood his his play. Yeah. Not only that, he can go down and put people on his shoulder and fling them off. I mean, he's yeah. So I don't know who to comp Murray to. Um, all that much. I mean, to me, to, other than uh, I mean, does he remind? I, I don't know that there's anybody quite like him at six eight that shoots the ball that can put the ball in the deck. What I think though is that his ceiling can be, uh, yeah, an all star level player. I don't know if he'll get there. I just, I just, we just again. I hate to go back to the finals, but we just watched the team. Just speaking defensively, real quick, Boston comes in the number one defense, all that. Golden State ends up having a better defense in the series. With no with with relatively no athleticism, and I say that relative to the NBA, right? Positioning, smarts, obviously having a kind of a, a, a freaky computer guy and Draymond Green, but but Keegan Murray, you watch his tape, and he's he's often in the right spot, right? Yeah, like he's just smart. You know, he knows where to be. 
you know, he does with mismatches to attack. Um, you know, and he's, he's got a decent handle too. Like he can take guys off of the, the uh, dribbles. He, so he knows how to weaponize his three point shooting to where he's not just a catch and shoot guy, but he can put the ball on the, on the deck and um, pretty good touch around the rim too. You saw him finish layups at some odd angles, but King is smart. Yeah, he's just a very smart player. Uh, you know, I think he put on next to K to they'll be able to make some things happen because they'll just be able to play off each other a lot. And I know smart is a word is obviously, obviously and often a euphemism. When we're talking about smart, we usually mean high ceiling. I mean, excuse me, high floor guys. But, uh, but okay, let's get back to Jaden Ivey for a second. To me, Omari, he reminds me, uh, not the point guard part of it, but that first step reminds me more of Russell Westbrook. People talk about jaw all the time. But to me, it's it's Ivy's got maybe a little more wiggle than than Westbrook, but Jaw's got so much wiggle. That's why, right? And forget the point guard stuff. Yeah, he he sees the floor in a completely different way than Ivy. But what I like about um, and people forget this about a young Westbrook is just the relentlessness and the way he attacks. And Ivy plays like that. And there's a there's a spirit and a force to that. That even if he doesn't completely figure out that jump shot, if he's just constantly trying to get to the rim. Even if the ball swung to him on the wing and he's going from there, uh, if he's playing with Cade, say, I mean, I think there's tremendous benefit to collapsing like that, especially if he can kick out a little bit, which he did here and there at Purdue. But right, he doesn't have to be a, a huge playmaker, but if he can get in there and kick, that could be tremendous. Yeah, and with Ivy, I mean, it's almost a cliche at this point to say certain guys put him on the NBA floor for NBA spacing and things get a little bit easier. Because uh, Westbrook wasn't the playmaker he was nope. in college. He was a shooting guard. Yeah, he was a shooting guard. You Who know, couldn't shoot the league, and like you have that electric first step, and you know you just put NBA level talent around him, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's a lot easier to become a good playmaker when all you have to do is blow past your defender and kick it out. And um, yeah, so I actually do like the Westbrook comparison a lot more than the Jaw comparison, just because he's not going to be a John Moran type of guy, but. Uh, yeah, you put him on the NBA floor, with, and with that first step, you, you collapse the, the defense. It'll be easier for him to track up assist numbers, even if he's not like that John Morant level of playmaker, just because he's going to have a lot of open people in the perimeter. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, I understand Donovan Mitchell, but I just think he's he's just got a different – he tilts the floor in a different way to me. When, when you get guys that compete like that, and I know he's not a great defensive player, but the, his competitive spirit and, you know, I, I mean, why not, right? If he if he's there, that means probably Murray's gone to me, not Mathrin. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that was the the tough thing about my last mock is that I had Sacramento take Jaden Ivey because he's the best player available, and I know Sacramento wants to compete next year, but they need to just take the best player available and not drive for fit because you're Sacramento. But I do think there's a real chance they take Keegan just because Keegan is a better fit. Um, so yeah, if Keegan goes four and Jaden's there at five. Yeah, you know, if you're the Pistons, that's obviously a very in, enticing option. But, um, you know, Sacramento really is going to dictate <laughs> what the Pistons do just because they got to figure some stuff out. You know, there's still rumors that they may trade that pick. You know, so now you have a different team making the fourth selection, and who knows what they'll do. You know, a different team might go Shane Sharp there. So, oh, uh, yeah, it's wide open, Carlos man. Carlos loves Shane Sharp. <laughs> Huge Shane Sharp fan, the biggest Shane Sharp fan. Carlos. <laughs> Well, that's that's you know, where do you where do you sense the Pistons are right now in this rebuild? You know, Mari. I mean, they they got some pieces. They showed some promise. Obviously, you got Cade, uh, and we're talking about who fits with him. Um, you know, but but could they? I mean, if they swing and miss on anybody, you know, but especially some of these these younger players, and and you know, Shane Sharp's the the best example of that. We don't know much about him. What does that do to their, you know, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be half a season of Shaden Sharp. Like, well, it's not working on, it's not working. We're moving on. It's going to be a couple of seasons. It's, they're not going to just give up on them one season. We're going to see this play out over, a, it, that's how much could that hurt them if they're waiting a couple of seasons to see what we have. Sean doesn't want to give up on Killian Hayes. He still thinks he's an all-star. So No, not you know. an all-star. Just I, I still think he can be a contributing NBA player. He okay. already kind of is a little. Yeah. So, so what does this do if they if they take anybody, but you know, like a Shaden Sharp, and they they wait a couple of years, and I mean, what does that do to this rebuild? I think it hurts for sure uh, if you take a guy and he ends up not panning out, um, you know, because you this is your third top ten pick in three years. You know, Cade obviously was a good pick. Killian, you know, he may become a, a good NBA player, but I think it's probably safe to say at this point that he's not going to be uh, that second star you need. 
And that's like a start. I mean, it may not be an obvious guy in this draft, honestly. Um, you know, so I don't want to frame this as, you know, the Pistons. Um, like there's an obvious guy that they would pass on and they, they would mess the pick up. But, you know, I know that there's a lot of fans who are intrigued by the idea of straight and sharp. Uh, but drafted for upside, that's how you end up with busts, honestly. I mean, you know, like I know people are mad that they took Stanley Johnson over Devin Booker, but people forget that Stanley Johnson was the upside guy, right? And Devin Booker was skill the guy. He'll come in and he'll be a yeah, good he shooter. Yeah, he was the skill guy. But, yeah, but, but he was the, the skill guy. But then, you know, six years later, Devin Booker is a top 15 NBA player, and Stanley Johnson may not be in the league, or he's just like barely hanging on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's always merit to just taking the guy that you know can, can play. Like, I was talking to somebody I got the combine, and they said, like, I asked him, well, you know, Sharp didn't play in college. Um, we're just going off of high school, you know, like YouTube highlights, yada, yada. Like, how much does that factor in? And uh, the person said, well, you know, you can say the same thing about Kyrie, like how many games did Kyrie play? And I was like, oh, well, if he's that talented, then yeah, like you're probably, <laughs> you know, probably doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you, you just take him and trust that he'll figure it out. Um, but there are people who don't feel that way. There are people who are like, you know, we don't know if this guy is even a better prospect than Benedict Matherin because on paper they have similar games, but Matherin actually proved that he could play in college. So, um, yeah, like I like Shane Sharp, but, you know, top five, I think that's probably when you're in the area of, <laughs> you know, if this guy doesn't pan out and you're the Pistons, and you just need a guy that's going to con- contribute at the very least. Like, you don't want to end up with a, a, a Stanley Johnson. Uh, you want a guy that you know is going to be a, a starting double talent. Um, so, Sharp, yeah, like, I like him, but at, at, at five, I think you got to feel pretty good about him hitting that cylinder. Do you think uh, the one, 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 one other guy I was thinking about with Murray, and again, you know, it's hard with cops because everybody's their own unique player, obviously, but he reminds me a little bit of uh, a Middleton. Like, could he get to, could he be the, I mean, cause the way he shoots that stroke, if he, he's got to get stronger, obviously got to put on a size. Um, you can see that even in the tape in the big 10, but, um, can he become a guy with a, you know, a one dribble pull up? Maybe, maybe he's a two dribble player. Right. You know, That's Keegan, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, like Middleton's become yeah. that he's not, he's just your ball handler, but he can go get a shot with a dribble. It's, he doesn't have to be wide yeah. open to shoot. And you see some of that with Murray. You do. And, you know, again, like Murray already has a pretty functional handle and he already shoots the bar pretty well. So I think when you're 6'8", uh, you don't necessarily need a Carmelo Anthony level handle to, you know, just be able to create your own shot. I mean, if he's just and doing strength. one of the pull-ups and, or side strikes. Right. And strength, right? Like, yeah, like Keegan's already got a pretty good base to be able to create some offense. Uh, yeah, or even like, you know, attacking closeouts, uh, you know, finishing over smaller guys. Yeah, like I think he can certainly become uh, a, a Middleton type. I, I I think Middleton is a little bit leaner, a little bit more slithery. I think he's a, a little bit of a, a better playmaker than Keegan he is. is. He is now. He is now. Now, but it's this a is what I'm saying. Carl's talking about yeah. giving up on, or you know killing whatever. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I just watched Andrew Wiggins be the second best player in the NBA Finals. Who thought that two years ago? Yeah, nobody. There was. I mean, if you just look at some of the. Uh, preseason predictions from last year, like people didn't even think Golden State was going to be a top four team. No, like, they were like, yeah. Yeah, the, the perimeter defense he played looked like close to Kawhi. I mean, it's outrageous. You just don't know. And Carlson and I argue about this all the time. You just, you know, and I understand organizations can't stay with guys forever and they got to move on. Sometimes they need to change, whatever. And that was the case with Wiggins. But, but you know, when you're coming in at 18 or 19 now, I guess, 1920, right? Yeah, you come in and, you know, you're supposed to be the man – um, you know, Wiggins, he was uh I'm thinking more about with Hayes, but yeah. Or with Hayes, yeah. Yeah. And, and even that, like Hayes doesn't even turn twenty one until next month. Like he's still a lot younger than you would expect for a guy who's been in the NBA for, for two years. Uh, you know, especially when you factor in the injuries. Uh, you know, now there's a good chance that Killian Hayes' ceiling may not be higher than that of like a Marcus Smart or a Derek White type, but even so, getting that type of guy to seventh pick in most drafts is pretty good value. So I think one thing with Killian is that he's the first lottery pick under Troy Weaver's watch and that heightens expectations that they're going to get a, a franchise tone setting guy. And in that draft where there's really no guy that seemed certain to be a good NBA player, uh, seven pick in that draft is probably closer to the 10th or 11th pick of sure. draft. Sure. So, you know, so that's one thing I always try to say about killing. It's like, no, he hasn't been great, but um, one, he's still really young. And then two, I think people kind of overestimate what you should get from a seven pick. I'm like in that draft, like, 
the center pick was a complete crapshoot. Like, there are guys that were drafted in front of Killian that have done nothing, right? Like, what has Patrick Williams done? I know he's been hurt, but still. Um, yeah, like, he is a useful player. Like, he's a good defender, good passer. And you can look at Derek White and Marcus Smart, you know, Great in the finals. Examples. And obviously, Great they're still, examples. you know, and those guys are, are, are useful. They're not going to be your best guy, but you still need role players. And, you know, I don't think getting a role player with the seventh pick is a, is a, a bad outcome at Carl all. Carl Savick, well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, the other thing is, you know, more than anything, we forgot to say that Sean really wants Troy Weaver to trade down to the 15th spot so they can go get Giannis and Kawhi. So that's that's really what Sean's aiming at here. No, Troy, but Weaver's right. You, I mean, you, I mean, I listened to that on Zoom the other day, Omari. I'm assuming you were there. He's right, right? You know, he was asking, are there only four players in this draft? I'm like, come on, I, who asked that? I don't know. Yeah, like I hope it wasn't you. They're, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, but this should, oh, there are four players in this draft. What? Yeah, like no, there's never four players in, no, in any, any draft. I, I know. And you evaluate, you know, and Trey was right, you know, and I've written about it. You evaluate drafts years after the fact, and you'll see that whatever you thought the draft was going to be going then, that is very rarely the case. You know, people thought Jabari Parker was going to be Carmelo Anthony, and that didn't happen. You know, yeah, what people Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. You know, I was just going to say people thought Andrew Wiggins was, you know, like he was getting caught Maple Jordan and best prospects since LeBron and all that. Maple Jordan. And and Andrew Wiggins is a good (laughs) basketball player. He had had a great series, but it took him eight years to finally find the white rope, the the, the right role for him. He's not your lead guy, but if you just allow him to pick his spots offensively, uh, ex- exhaust all his energy on defense. He's perfect for that role. And, like, play, ne- and play next to Steph Curry. By the way, and plus play next to Steph Curry. Yeah. By the way, because the draft, you know, these these things roll around. The redrafts, they roll. They're always rolling around. Yesterday, Jay Billis's top ten guys from that 2009 draft, Curry was tenth, right? Yeah, tenth. Curry was also 21 years old when he got drafted. Right behind Johnny Flynn and uh, Ricky Rubio, and I'm trying to remember the other guards in that draft. Hashim Thabit wasn't a guard, obviously, but. But this happens all the time. Carlson and I talk about this all the time because, we, especially related to football, you just if you redraft five years from now, right? Unless there's LeBron or Shaq, as we were mentioned. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's always. I mean, you 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 can't foresee and that. That's where I always wonder. You know, just uh, how much of these these talent evaluators, general managers, front offices, whatever it is, you know, uh, do they do they fall in love with? You know who the player is at that moment. You know not who they can become. Who, you know, do they have a vision for their team, for their organization, and how it's going to fit, how it's going to work together? I mean, I think that's the thing with 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 the Warriors, right? And Steve Kerr and Steph Curry, and that they've got some magic sauce going over there that it, it works together. You know, and it's not just about you know, and then and, you know, the yes, Patriots, yes. you know, that kind of thing. You know, like it's not just. This is the best athlete, and this guy is going to be the per, you know, whatever. You know, it's it, he's the best at his position. He's the most athletic. He's the most, you know, whatever. That's what I get worried about. People like Patrick Mahomes is amazing player, and everybody wants Mahomes. Well, Mahomes isn't going to work in every organization either. You have to have the right cast around him. You got to have the right play callers, the coaching, the whatever. Same thing in basketball, right? You're going to have to make it. And that that's what I'm really interested in seeing what's going to happen here what Troy Weaver knows you know and I know Jaden Ivey took a, a you know had a visit um did did you get a talk to him I know obviously you did that story on on Keegan but did you get a talk to Jaden Ivey at any point Omari and have you gotten a sense of I, Keegan seems like a mature guy to me you know from your story from the way you described him as quotes and all that stuff but what's your sense of Ivy? Is he is he on that level too? So I've been talking to Ivy. He skipped the combine, and then he had a, a, a Zoom session on Monday. But uh, those Zooms set, I mean, they're just a complete mess. You have like eighty people in there trying to ask a question, and you now fifteen minutes, and the vast majority of the questions are, "Hey, how do you fit with X team, or where do you think an X player?" And like, so they're not that productive. Yeah, like, what's your comp? This and that. My um, comp is Carlos, but. <laughs> Carlos is your is is your favorite favorite conference seems. Um yeah, like I think I think Ivy, you know, like I like I don't think Ivy is in, in, immature by any means. Like, you know, his his mom, uh, you know, Neil Ivy, she's a head coach at Notre Dame. And, you know, she played for the Detroit Shock. Um, you know, dad played in the NFL, granddad played in the NFL. Like he comes from an athletic family. Um, you know, so he carries himself with confidence, but uh, you know, I don't think there's any real uh, you know, like you, you you can only get so much from those interviews. Like I did talk to Matt, and I did talk to Keegan, obviously, but uh, I wouldn't say there was anything from Jaden's that uh, you know stood out as like 
anything to be concerned about. Uh, the one thing he said that was funny was that uh, he said uh, he said he didn't work out for Sacramento, and then Sacramento person was like, uh, "Well, how do you think you fit in?" or yada yada. And Jada's response is basically like, "I mean, I guess I'd be okay." So, <laughs> so it doesn't sound like he's that high. I'm going to Sacramento. Poor Sacramento. Poor Sacramento. Hey, before you go, I want to ask each of you a question. I just get your opinion on this. What do you guys think about all the old head? young head arguments that go on in the NBA, especially in the offseason, but specifically Charles Barkley, who's often a part of this, uh, talking about uh, Kevin Durant need to drive his own bus to win a title. That was the metaphor he used because Steph Curry just won with Golden State after Durant left, and now Durant needs to do it, that the old heads aren't going to respect him until he does it. Do, 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 do you guys think this is good for the league, not good for the league? Do you find it amusing, entertaining? What? What do you think of all this kind of chatter around this, uh, the, the legacy talk of the of the NBA? Yeah, I think NBA players are always, you know, whether they're currently playing or are retired, are always going to be very concerned about not only their own legacy, but everybody else's legacy, because the guys have been competing their entire life, and, like, that's what never turns off. Uh, Charles, like, he's also really good at, like, saying the right thing to rally people, to, to kind of rile people up. And uh, Durant is a pretty easy person to get riled up because, you know, that he'll <laughs> respond um, but I think it's fun. Like even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I think he was on some talk show the other night and, uh, he was like, I'm still like the, the all-time leader of field goals made or like the all-time leading scorer. And all he made one three-pointer, like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like 75 years old and he's still, you know, like popping his jersey, like, don't forget about me, you know? Uh, you know, I think it's fun. Like, uh, you know, like, I, like I think smack talk is fun. Like, you know, like I don't care how good you are, how bad you are. If you're still playing, if you're re- retired, like talk. Give us something to retweet on social media. Like, that's what sports is all about, right? Like, yeah, just never stop talking. I like that Charles Barkley is always starting stuff with people. I like that Kevin Durant responds to everything. Uh, like, I love it personally. Like, I like I think that makes it fun. I think that Omari just gave uh, Charles his next book title, Never Stop Talking. That's the, <laughs> that's, uh, the Round Mound's next next book. No, it's you know what? I'll, I'll give you the answer of what I think about all this. Um uh, Sean, I don't know if you've ever watched hockey, but um, you know they have these. Barkley was uh, Barkley was in the booth. Is that what you're going to talk about? No, they play three periods in hockey, so there's two intermissions, so they have to go to the studio twice, um, and uh, it's kind of brutal watching hockey players trying to be interesting or funny. So anytime I can watch some TNT and some whatever, you know, uh, guys getting, you know, even if they're not. The, the best they try, you know, in the NBA. And they are generally, you know, very fun and colorful and and jab people. So I, I'm I'm there for all of it. So thank you to Sir Charles. Um, I remember, by the way, a long time ago, quick story was there was a, I think it was the, I don't know what it was, the some PGA. Yeah, quick story. Yeah, quick story. Thanks for interrupting me and making it longer. Um, at Baltimore Stroll, whatever it was, and Charles was there, some kind of promotional thing. He's a big golfer. And, uh, you know, he did his little thing, you know, whatever it was he was hawking or, or promoting. And then he sits down. He's done. It's like 10 minutes. And he, I think he was there for two hours. I mean, just the reporters. And it was like a, it wasn't the tournament hadn't started. It was like a Tuesday or whatever. Just two hours. Just two hours sitting in a chair talking about anything. Food, politics, sports, anything. I mean, movies, uh, anything you could think of. Two hours two hours just sitting there in the chair. So like that's who Charles Barkley is. And I hope he never changes. He was in a hockey booth last week at the Stanley cup finals. I think it was in Tampa. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. 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 And the, and the host, it was uh, during, I don't know if it was between the first and second or third or second and third periods, but the host, the host had, uh, you know, it was a handsome young guy and had some moose. His, <laughs> uh, the front of his hair was kind of moosed up. So, so that's the first thing Barkley says to him. He, you know, he says, you know, he gets asked what he thinks of the game, what's going on, whatever, and he says, "I just want to say, you are one handsome guy, and you have great, great hair." And he's like, "You're like the Canadian Tom Brady." It was, uh, it was great. I mean, it's, so this is what he's talking about. But uh, in any case, well, listen, Amari, thanks for uh, thanks for spending so much time with us today. We'll see what happens. We got the draft coming up. Uh, well, I don't know tonight, right? Is that, is that right? That is. Uh... Yeah, well, draft yeah. is today's not Thursday, tonight. is it? No, tonight. You know, no, no. When this comes out, come on, okay. man, you're supposed to play along here. <laughs> you got your own podcast. Yeah. I never know what day of the week it is, so that's you know, like I can't joke around. It. Like you know, oh, I'm just, right. you know like, I think it's Tuesday and it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday and it's Thursday. That's right. that's uh, right. No, it's quiet before the storm. Uh, always yeah. great to join you guys on here, and yeah, it would definitely be an exciting next couple of days for the Pistons. 
All right, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you down at the practice facility. I may go get a chicken sandwich before before I start. I recommend it. I recommend it. It's just around the corner, if I'm not mistaken, right? Super crisp. Yeah, right down the street. All right, all right. Okay, Amari, thanks for uh, thanks for, again for joining us, and we will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports uh, with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, it's always great to have Amari on. Um, it's especially great to hear that you ventured out with the the super crisp. Uh, oh no, excuse me, I'm a version of the fried dust spicy chicken sandwich. That makes me very proud, my man. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun to have him on. We'll see what happens in the draft. I know we talked at the top of the show about kind of wanting to get into. Some of the sausage making, as you wrote about recently in one of your columns, um, and how we, you know, how kind of, not just sports writers, but in particular, how columns come out, you know, wh- or rather why we write about what we write about, the the, the subjects we choose, the, 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 the angles we take, the opinions we take, you know, feedback, dealing with criticism, all that sorts of stuff. Um, it's been kind of out there in the forefront. Both of us have written pieces lately where we've included responses from uh, from readers. And um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a good thing to get into. I'm not sure that we we have the time today, though. Is that okay with you? I mean, we 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 just we'll stick with the draft. I think that subject deserves a little bit more time. And uh, why don't we why don't we try that next week? Yeah, that's a good see plan. Let's see, give a, see if we can. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, we have a, can give it a little more thought and uh, and time. So for sure. Yeah, and plus, I want to be able to have like I want a whole board, almost like a vision board, a vision board. And I want to get in a robe and take some peyote, but I, I want to mark up the columns and I want to be able to see, you know, and circle. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm kidding. I just, uh, we, we need more time. I think that would be, uh, yeah, a, a really great thing to do. So in the meantime, I think we need to wrap this show up. And uh, I think that needs to start with your favorite thing. Yeah, this is, this is, this was fun last week. Um, we, as you know, Sean, we the Free Press has a softball team that plays on, plays on Belle Isle that never gets your support. You have not come. You always promise to come, but you don't come. Um, and I played on my first game of the season. It's only been like five weeks or whatever, but there's been rainouts. I've been sick and all. I know. Well, I kind of did, but um, but my favorite thing about it, we we had a double header, and Tony Garcia. He's our uh, young, new, intrepid sports writer. If you read the Free Press, if you read Free Press Sports, you have seen his name. He has covered anything and ever, anything and everything under the sun. Um, he's just at everything, and so I've worked with him a little bit. But and and he's a, he's a lot of fun to be around. He's energetic. He's really smart. He's a really good writer. Um, but at the softball game. He was uh, he was a man possessed. Uh, he was a maniac, Sean. He was uh, he was swinging for the fences and 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 getting there a lot of the times. I think he had three home runs in the two games. Um, he's a really fantastic athlete. And there was one game where we were trailing in the second game by a few runs, two three runs, and they were trying to walk him because he was like killing him with the bat. And Andrew, our producer, is way too young to remember this, but you and I remember the Bad News Bears, the original one. And I don't want to spoil it. Andrew looked hurt when I just said that, but I don't want to spoil anything. But there's a scene where their best player is given a direction to not do something, and he does it anyway. And Tony did that. And it was hilarious. It was 
amazing. And he was so it's like he'd scored three touchdowns when he crossed the plate. It was so it was so great. It was such fun to be around Tony and to see him compete and to see a different side of a of a of a new young friend that we have on the free press. Um, you know, you see the professional side. Uh, which I've been totally impressed with watching him work in, in clubhouses and locker rooms and press conferences. But then to watch him cut loose on the on the softball field was really fun. So uh, thoroughly enjoyable. If you ever decide to support your, your uh, co-workers and, uh, and friends, Sean, come out to Belle Isle and watch Tony work his magic. Well, I'm going um, to get out there. How many more games mm-hmm. do you have? I think we have three and then playoffs. Okay. I will get there. The last couple times I was on... Uh... A deadline. I, it takes me. For, mm-hmm. It takes me forever to figure out my stuff, which is, you know, probably not a good sign because it's not very good. But um, you know, you would think, well, God, why do you need that long to write that? <laughs> but uh, but in any case, uh, I remember the last time, uh, or maybe not the last time, the time before you went, we were talking, and you used your resourcefulness and found a parking spot. I was really impressed that you talked your way onto Belle Isle when they'd shut the island down. You're That's like, true. I am, you probably can't even get on. You're like, I am Carlos Menares. And, uh, I said I know Sean Windsor. I That's demand I a parking spot. No, no. Tony is uh, – we need, we need to get him on the podcast. We could use some of that. Yes. We could use some of that energy. Yes. And we'll, I told him he's going to come on one of these days. He's a lot of fun to, to, to talk to. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and we need some fun on this podcast for sure. Oh, my God. Carlos, that's a that's a nice uh, that's a nice uh, my favorite thing, and I'm I'm proud of you, man. You made that about somebody else, and uh, <laughs> it's shocking. I started it with I. I started it with no, I you did, you did. But no, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We call that empathy, and um, or you know oh, what? Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up, please, please. Uh, my favorite thing is unfortunately about me. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's your favorite thing. How could it not be about you? Well, I still want to. I used to try to make it your favorite thing because I wanted it to be about you. <laughs> you stole it, yeah. But you, you, uh, you want to do you, you put the kibosh on that, you know. In any case, Carl. So for Father's Day, uh, I don't know for whatever reason I've taken to cooking. Um, I I don't know. I don't know why I do. I just like I just like to cook for my boys in particular. Um. You know, you don't get the chance as much. Uh, you know, when they get older, you know how that goes. In any case, it's it's something I've done for a while, and um, I decided to to smoke a steak. All right. Whoa, whoa! And I've done that. I've done this before. It's not something I've experimented with just this past uh, Sunday, but uh, I decided to smoke. It was a ribeye. All right, and I dry brined it, so I just salt and peppered it in the morning and let it sit um, for seven eight hours, and it, it's it's. Similar to a wet brine, the salt kind of gets into the cellular level. All it does really, here, here, here's how the best way to put it. It makes it delicious. It, it tastes better, and it, and it, you know, tenderizes it just a touch. So it, it does two things. In any case, so I'm going to smoke it, all right? It doesn't take too long, a little bit of hickory. And then you sear it at the end, so you still get the sear and the crust after you smoked it for a while. The smoke it cooks it mostly to the temp you want, and then you sear it at the end. In any case, the day gets kind of late. I'm not sure. I don't know. I was doing a little painting, whatever. I'm like, ah, do I really have time to smoke it? And then the boys and I are talking about going to see Maverick, Top Gun. Want to see it again. Want a little bit of that uh, feel-good business. You know what I mean? So we're like, all right, I can still get it done. How about if I just skip the smoking and I'll and I'll just cook it on the on the regular grill and just cook it traditionally. So I get it seared, and I realize I need to go get some stuff for a salad. I move it over to the part of the grill where there are no flames, so it's not under direct heat. And I run up to the store, which is close. And I come back, and um, Carlos, my grill caught on fire. Oh, no. Big old beautiful ribeye, tomahawk ribeye, um, that I splurged on for Father's Day is a a charcoal briquette. Down the drain. Can you believe that? Well, what happened to your grill, though? Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, no. I just have to clean it out. So that's a good lesson, you know. It, I knew that it needed to be cleaned, and I'd been kind of managing it and navigating it. But in any case, yeah. So I, yeah. Can I, can I ask a quick question? I guess I, Father's I, Day? I guess I could. Why not send one of your adult but, uh, sons I, to I go get like the salad? It's part of the process. Delegate? You need to... Yeah, maybe when it comes to food okay. and a little bit of a break, you know what I mean. Control, but uh, that was a good lesson, right? That was a good lesson. 
Anyway, the next day, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so I told the boys, I said, so we, uh, let's have a movie theater dinner. Like oh, what did, did you eat? We, like we did when we were little. So we ate nachos and popcorn and and a hot dog. Ah. The concession cost was, was <laughs> I mean, my guys, more than a oh, damn steak. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that was actually perfect, you know. <laughs> I mean, I felt, I felt a little sheepish. I'm reading cards as we're, you know, I just burned the steak. Yeah. They're seeing all these nice things. I'm like. Oh yeah, great, great dad I am. You know, I can't even can't even manage this. But uh, but in any case, that was really fun eating. I wouldn't recommend that because you never feel good after that, right? But having a having a movie theater dinner like that, a con- a concession dinner, yeah, I hadn't done that in years and years and years. So that was fun. So that was my oh, favorite yeah, thing. That's awesome. And by the way, once in a while, I went back and got another tomahawk and smoked it for a couple hours. And it was great. So I had that Monday. You win-win. All right. <laughs> Anything else, Carlos? There you go. Win-win. No, I can hear Anjana like drumming her fingers on the yeah, desk. No like, kid. when is I mean, this what thing? Is it ending? With Why is she so mean? And to when us? is my name coming I up? I don't get it. Do you? <laughs> is that it? <laughs> She's needy. She's needy. She she needs to she needs to hear her. The the you know mellifluous the the beautiful sound. I say Anjanette. Like, Anjanette. And you Anjanette. screw up you all the time. Call her Anjanette. My, my like pedestrian kind of Anjanette. It's Anjanette. Anjanette. I understand that. Anjanette. Yeah. yeah, once in a while. Okay, how many times have we said that name? You think she'll be a little nicer to us moving forward, or no? Yeah. And, yeah. What's no, going to happen? It, it came, it came too late. I think it's uh, too little, too late. I don't mean to now, be Detroit but, you know. I mean Gannett. Yeah, I mean, oh, is she going to change gonna the name be, of every? Yeah, like it will, will it be instead of the uh, yeah. Arizona Republic. Do you think it'll be you know the Anjanette Republic <laughs> <laughs> when she's running the Gannett? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, USA Anjanette. Brought to you by Anjanette Enterprises. I don't know. I'm just, Delgado. I'm just tossing. <laughs> They're always, you know what? They're always breaking. People are getting those. Those Gannett yeah, editors so it's only a matter of titles, on the, on the, and I'm the doing name, this you know, now right? in Not charge of digital the but the print, of the paper. And, you know, as it were. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what's interesting about the masthead, which is for the reader or the listener out there, is it's where the you know the poobahs, the big shots, their names are published in the paper on Sundays, I think. Uh, who the leaders are and they just do it alphabetically now. I don't, they used to do like a hierarchy of editor and deputy managing editor and all this stuff. Now I think it's just boom, like just, uh, Oh, that's great. So yeah. down with the old, the, down with the man, right down with the old power structure. Right. Right. We don't need that. No, no, this, yeah. I mean, come on, it's 2022, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Although I think Anjanette wants Kirkland Crawford fired so she can go on top of him in the, on the masthead. I mean, that's the, you that's think the so? only problem is I think Kirkland might be close to the, closer to the top. So, okay. Well, or he might have to change his name to Kirkland, uh, Crawford with a K, you know, something like that. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, it's all about Anjanette. Um, it's occasionally about Andrew Hammond, who we need to thank, by the way, who makes this show possible <laughs> and produces. It's, uh, it's a, even, you know, less occasionally about Peter Batia, the executive editor. But it's mostly about you, Carlos. And uh, I want to thank you for letting me be part of your podcast here every week. I really, uh, I'm really grateful. <laughs> Anytime, Sean. You know, I'm always there for you. Okay. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And uh, hopefully I can be there for you and, uh, whenever you need. I'd like to return that favor. Are we quoting the Friends theme song, by the way? I'll be there for you. I think we, we oh. accidentally did that. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's okay. I know how much okay. uh, you and uh, you hate the 80s and everything from the 80s and 90s. I thought that was the 90s. It was a, close enough to the 90s. So, You know what? I'll say or this 80s. for Anjanette. She would know that Friends is from the 90s. <laughs> by the way, Anjanette, pretty good softball player. She's really? on the team. What position does she play? She plays right field um, and she's a pretty good hitter. She's quick. So fast. she's running down. She's running down the... Uh, with the, the with the same gusto the that drives. she that she edits our uh, our podcast and and makes sure she's she's out there she's out there she's no Tony Garcia but uh, but nobody is. Well, okay, that's 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 not surprising that she's a good fielder and good hitter and 
plays with that same kind of energy. I mean, uh, can you imagine the list of notes we're in for now? <laughs> Thinking about it. First of all, she's going to say, when is this podcast going to end? All right, we got to end it. Who have, we not, who have we not thanked? We've thanked Andrew. I've thanked you. Kirk, we thank Peter Batia. Kirkland Crawford. Yeah, the main man, the sports editor. Yeah, whose last uh, name is getting changed into a starting with who agreed? Who agreed? Yeah, right. Who agreed to let us do this? And uh, I'm sure is regretting. We want to thank all of those folks. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to us, dear listener. And uh, we want to encourage you, as we always do, to rate us, to subscribe to uh, this podcast, the Carlos, the Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, wherever you find your favorite podcast at Spotify, Apple. And Carlos is still working on his own brand platform. Uh, we'll let you know when that happens. And then you can just go directly to Carlos. Until then, though, thanks again for spending some time with us this week. And we will talk to you next week. That's like the longest favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs>